I don't know what to say. Uh, we're, we're beginning to wind up. Uh, today we'll conclude uh, the, the sermon series on holiness. And folks, we have barely scratched the surface. But I hope that what the Spirit has done among us has whetted your appetite to, to learn more, to dig deeper. Uh, again, I'm just amazed at how I see over and over holy jumping out off the Scripture. Every day I get into the Word, it seems like I find it another verse that's just screaming holiness, holiness, holiness. And um, so we're going to wrap it up today, uh, even though we've not been exhaustive in our study. And then next Sunday we're going to come for a unique service of celebration of the Lord's Supper, but in a unique way. And uh, we're going to celebrate how the Holy God has done so much for us. And we're going to look at His character because we've said in, in these first few series of messages, God has called us to be holy. We know that to be true. His Word, if you go to First Peter, I hope your Bibles just begin to open to that all the time automatically right now. First Peter chapter 1 and in verse 16 of that first chapter it says you shall be holy for I am holy so we know that God has called us to be holy and we know that holy hagios means to be different okay three of you know that that's good last week about 15 of you knew that so we're gonna have to fan the flames to remember that that's what it means to be different. And we wrapped up of all of the possible de- definitions of holiness in, in basically one, one thing is that to be holy is to reflect the character of God. To reflect the character of God. And next week we're going to take a look at that ever so briefly as we just worship Him. And uh, I'm going to do a different type message next week. You're not going to want to miss it because it's going to be really different for me. So um, we'll... we'll We'll look forward to that. I'm looking forward to the celebration of the supper next week. Now, not only did he call us to be holy, but he told us that holiness is not optional. He made us holy at salvation, and then he has given us the responsibility to work out that holiness in our, all of our conduct. If you go back in that chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Hang on to that word, minds. You're going to see it a lot today. Therefore, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that was brought to you at the revelation of Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all of your conduct. And then last week we gave you some characteristics of the lifestyle of a person that's trying to be holy. And I just used the word holy, H-O-L-Y, and made it an acrostic to kind of help us be able to hang on to it so you could discuss it. And I was thrilled to death. Some people were talking about it over lunchtime. And most of them remembered all four words. You know, it was really cool. H is we're happy in our surrender. O is that we're obedient to God. L is that we're listening to God. And as we're in this process, the Y is we begin to yearn more and more for Him because the more we find out about Him, the more we want to know about Him. But today, we're going to kind of turn the corner and we're going to give you some tools for helping you in this process. But I've got to set the stage for it because I want you to understand 
We're going to talk about battles today. The battle for holiness. Because we all struggle with it. You struggle with it. I struggle with it. And I know that because we've had a lot of conversations about it over the last few weeks. And people have been coming and talking to me about it. And it's true. God has already won the main battle. And he's the only one that could have fought that one to begin with. So that's resolved. But we're still fighting the battle of making our conduct holy in all that we do. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. And we'll pick up just a thought from Paul that talks about this battle. And the first thing I want us to do is to identify where the battle is because there's two, there are two main areas of battle. But listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 21 and following. Now, Paul's fleshing it out pretty honest here. He's just saying, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being. He says, I love God's word on the inside, but I see my members another war raging, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? Thanks be to God for Jesus Christ our Lord. And he thanks him for that because Jesus is the one who makes us holy. Holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. I've said that over and over again and I hope you catch that because it is so, so true. The two major fields of battle that you and I have to deal with, they're not the only fields of battle, but the two major fields of battle are our mind and our heart. And I want us to look at that. Go to Mark chapter 7. Go to Mark chapter 7. And we begin to see the battle of the heart. Jesus has been working with the people, talking with the people, walking with the people. And it says in verse 14, Mark chapter 7, verse 14, And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And Jesus said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside cannot defile him, since it enters not in his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And Jesus said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, 
theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, and all God's people said, I'm guilty of at least one or multiple of those. I hate to tell you this, but let me be honest with you. You are guilty. And I know that because I looked in the mirror this morning and saw it in me too. That's what we struggle with. That's what we struggle with. But wait a minute. All those evil things come from within and they defile a person. So that's what we need to work with. One of the major battlefields is our heart. Go to Luke chapter 6. We see Jesus teaching again. And he's going to talk about the heart. In verse 43. Luke chapter 6 verse 43. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor the grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of a good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Mark, he talked about the evil that's there, and that's what we wrestle with. But he's given us hope. He says, but out of the heart, good can come. It's not that your heart is forever going to be that way. God can change it. God can transform it. So the heart is one of the key battlefields. Let's go back to Mark again, and this time go to chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 31. And we're going to see the other major battlefield is the mind. Mark eight thirty one. And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Uh, now that's a gutsy call, folks. Uh, hey, Jesus, wrong, no. But look what it says in verse 33. But turning and seeing his disciples. Jesus is aware of what's going on right now. And he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's the battle. That's the battle. We get to thinking about us rather than thinking about Him. And then go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, the verse that uh, if you're a believer and you've been in the Word at all and in church, you have known this verse and you've probably got it memorized. But listen to it afresh. Listen to it without any baggage. Just listen to it, what it really says. 
Paul, writing to the church at Rome, said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, holy, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Again, the contrast. Man, don't let your mind go after the things of the world and what you want, but get them on God. And here's the good news. God will transform your mind you don't have to do it we're not talking about behavior modification I'm not saying you ought to run out and start doing all these things it's not behavior modification it's life transformation it's God doing a work in you that you can't do for yourself just like you can't save yourself you can't transform yourself but if we let God have the freedom to work in our lives he will do that work and he will Teach you what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So it's really good news. So we see the battlefield, but we get the hope that he gives us. Go back a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 6. And we'll launch into this real battle for holiness. Because the key to bringing the heart and the mind to where it needs to be is found in this verse. Now again, when I talk about the heart, I'm not talking about your blood pumper. (laughs) I'm talking about who you really are, your will, your soul. That was what makes you up, okay? That, That is the heart. And the heart left unchecked will always go to sin, but transformed, it can become holy. The mind left unchecked will always go to sin. It's it's our old nature. But with the transforming work of the power of the Holy Spirit in it, it can be made to be holy. And so we have to deal with this sin issue. Beginning in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we should no longer be enslaved to sin, for whoever has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin And alive to God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. To make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourself to God. As those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now catch verse 14. It's vital. For sin will have no dominion over you. 
since you are not under the law, but under grace. Listen, when God saves you, yes, you still battle sin, but it no longer has control of you. It has no dominance over you. It only has power when you give that opportunity, that chance to sin. And that's the battle. That's the battle that we go to. Hear that. Hang on to that because that's going to help you with these tools. And we're going to come back to a verse, one verse out of this when I get to the tools here as I wrap up in just a moment. But first I want you to see one more thing in this battlefield that's going on. Go to Colossians. Go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Because this will launch us into these tools that I want us to grab a hold of in order to help us in our battle for holiness. In verse 21 of Colossians chapter 1, Paul is writing to them and he says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy. To present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Paul saying to him, listen, once you were alienated, once you were separated from God, but Jesus Christ came and was the gift and the sacrifice to pave the way, and you have been, past tense, reconciled to Him. And so the victory is there if we will just latch on to it and stay faithful and stable and work on this and letting the Spirit do the battling for us. Jesus is the way. He is the way to holiness. Jesus is the answer. Now let me give you four tools. They're as simple as they can be. But it's sometimes... The simplicity just comes to the point where we say, I just, I just can't believe it can't be that simple. I remember at one point I was, was on the church staff and I was in charge of the evangelism process and, and, and I inherited it. I didn't create it. I inherited this evangelism uh, 
atmosphere, this strategy, and, and we had been leading the, the convention in baptism in the Southern Baptist Convention for six years in a row. We baptized more people than anybody else in the entire Southern Baptist Convention as a church, and we were able to see that continue on for years while I was there, and it continued going on even after I left. And I would get a call almost every week, at least one call, and someone would say, how do you do this? How, do you, how are you able to reach so many people for Christ? And I would tell them what we do. And they would say, no, come on, level with me. Tell me what you're doing. And they couldn't get over it because it was so, so simple. We trained our people how to share their faith And then we sent them out, and they did it. And some of you are saying, come on, T-Mac, level with me. I'm telling you, we taught them the Roman road to salvation and how to share their personal story of testimony. And then we said, sin is how you're going anyway. Tell somebody about Jesus. And these four tools I'm about to share with you are that simple. You're going to walk away from here in a few moments and say, we needed him to tell me that? Evidently you do. But I need to tell you again so I can be reminded of it. Because remember, I'm in the battle too. First tool. Go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 11. Tool number one. Be dead to sin and alive to God. Now here's the tool. And you may have to do uh, kindergarten tooling like I do. I've got this fancy little thing called a sticky note. And I put it on my mirror. And it says, today, remind yourself, dead to sin, alive to God. And my dentist makes me brush my teeth at least twice a day. And I have to look at that sticker at least twice a day. Cotton picking every now and then I have to go to the restroom and I walk by that stupid sticky note. (laughs) But I need that. And we laugh about that. But when was the last time you got up and looked yourself in the mirror and said, listen, sin has no dominion over me. It has no control over me other than I allow it to have in my life. And therefore, I focus my attention on God. God, I am alive to you. You do the work in me so I don't succumb to the temptation of sin. Two to one. Every day, repeatedly during the day, remind yourself I am dead to sin and I am alive to God and He's the one that can do it. Tool number two, go to John. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This is the beginning of 
of just a tremendous teaching of, of Jesus to his disciples right before the, the crucifixion occurred. And he, he just says so many wonderful things, even at the first part of chapter 14. But I want us to pick it up in verse 16 for tool number two. And this is what Jesus said. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Second tool. Remind yourself over and over, get a different colored sticky note, and remind yourself it is the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me, and He fights the battles. Will I yield to Him? Remember, the Holy Spirit fights the battles. We looked at that earlier. We talked about putting on the armor of God so that we could stand firm and let the Spirit do the warfare. See, that's why so many of us fail. We go duking it out with the devil or his demons. Probably none of us are worthy of getting the devil himself. We have to deal with these demons. And we were never intended to fight that battle. That's his battle. Our battle is saying, I am dead to sin. I am alive to God. And the Holy Spirit does live in me. I remember my football coach, you should just pound that into us. Think positive. Think win. Think accomplishing what you've been tasked to do. And what we've been done in this battle for spiritual warfare, we have been tasked to depend upon the Holy Spirit to do the fighting for us. That, that ought to thrill your soul to death that it's not you, it's Him. Praise God for that. But tool three is also vital. Go to Psalm 119. Yeah, I went all the way back to the Old Testament to get this one. And I did this. I could have got it from some places in the New Testament. But I love this psalm. Because there are three verses that I want us to get a hold of on tool number three. First one is verse 11. Then we'll go to 15. And then we'll go to 18. But look at Psalm 119, 11. Many of us have already memorized this one as well. And it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Dead to sin. The third tool is a steady, daily intake of the word of God. I will not ask you to raise your hand if you have been in God's Word every day of the year of 2018. I won't ask you to do that. You don't want me to ask you to do that. Some of you have, and I don't want you bragging about it, 
Some of you haven't. I don't want you ashamed of that. Listen, that's past. Today is the only day you have. And you're in the Word now. You've already got started. And you store it in your heart so that you can reckon yourself dead to sin because it says if you store it in your heart, it will help you not to sin. What does that say? I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So a daily intake of the word of God. We continue on that daily intake of the word of God in verse 15. And it says, and I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your way. That helps you to remember you're alive to God. The word helps you to remember that first tool. Dead to sin, I've stored it up in my heart so that I won't sin against him. I then meditate on it. I think about it along the way. One of the the things that I do every day, you can go to my little book that I carry with me and I write down, this is my goal for the day. And I have it scripture referenced and I just think about that during the day. And it's in a place that I open up and see on a regular basis every day. And it just reminds me. It just reminds me I'm alive to God and this is what God is doing in my life. And then we get to verse 18 and we get the third component of the daily intake of the Word of God. And open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. What you're doing there is beginning to see the power of the Word of God in your life. Because as you take this daily, habitual intake of the Word of God, you will begin to see that Word becoming available to you. One of my favorite stories, once I was going along and I was reading one of those really dynamic, earth-shaking places in the Scripture that you just salivate when you read. It was in the book of Leviticus. And I'm thinking... God, help me to get through this book. I don't see anything in here. But you told me to read your word, and I'm reading your word. God, it's got to be good. Fast forward about three months. And a student comes up to me and asks me a question. And God went, bing. Remember what you were fussing about back in Leviticus? That's the answer. That's the answer. And I turn to this student and I say, well, God's word says. And he goes, wow. Leviticus? Yeah. Listen, when you start getting into the word, and don't sit there and try to worry about remembering. Just read it. Just get into the word and allow the word to get into you. And the Holy Spirit will pull it out when you need it. He will do that. He will do that. So the first tool is what? Dead to sin and? Second tool is? Depend upon the Holy Spirit. He is the power in your life to do it. The third tool is? Steady daily intake of the Word of God. Okay. Now the last one. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3.
The fourth tool is pray daily. See, once again, <laughs> boy, isn't that profound. Thank you, T-Mac. I would have never thought you would say pray daily. But listen to what, what Paul, as he, as he wrote to the church at Ephesus, what he says. Uh, go to verse 14. This is a prayer for spiritual strength. For this reason, I'm chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named according to the riches of His glory. He may grant you to be strengthened with the power through His Holy Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the height, the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And if that happens, you'll start reflecting the character of God. And go the next book over to Philippians chapter 1. We studied this in the pastor's class last month, but let me remind you of it in verse 9. And Paul said, as he was writing to the church at Philippi, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure, which is a characteristic of holiness and blameless, which is a characteristic of holiness for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, not yourself, through Jesus Christ, to the glory of and the praise of God. Let me share with you a prayer that I pray every day. Lord, come and conquer me. And guard my heart and transform my mind. That just doesn't get any simpler than that. But I'm telling you, if you will use these four tools, you will recognize I am dead to sin and alive to God. I have the power of the Holy Spirit residing in my heart and reminding myself every day, let Him do the fighting for me. And I am in His Word every day. Get into the scripture. I don't care if it's just one verse and sit there and, and read that one verse until you understand what it is saying to you. And then pray, Lord, conquer me and guard my heart because I can't and transform my mind. Let me close with an illustration that maybe we'll kind of unlock all of this. People who go and 
capture animals to take them into zoos. They're not on safari to kill. They're out to capture animals to bring them into zoos. They say that the hardest wild kingdom animal to capture is the ring-tailed monkey. A little critter's fast. And they say it literally is the hardest of the animals to capture. But the Zulus people who live where the ring-tailed monkeys live, they don't have any problem. On any day of the week, they can go out and capture a a monkey, no problem. You know how they do it? There is a melon that hangs from a vine that is the favorite food of the ring-tailed monkey. It's the caviar of ring-tailed monkeys. And they cut a little hole in the side of the melon and the monkeys will climb down the vine, hanging onto the vine, and they'll stick their, their paw into that little hole to grab the seeds that are the caviar of the ring-tailed monkey. And then they start to pull their hand out so they can eat the seeds. And a hand in is smaller than a fist full of seeds. And the monkey will not let go of the seeds. And the Zulus people come up and say, Hey, ring-tailed monkey, you're mine. And he's captured. That is an illustration of your battle and my battle. I want to hang on to me being in control. I want it done my way, in my time, by my power, and I won't let go, and sin captures us. But if we will say, I'll let that go, I can be free, and the Spirit of God will produce in you what you cannot produce in yourself. Let's pray. Father, we know you've told us to be holy and we want to be holy, but we are in the battle for holiness. Help us to take the simple truths. Father, you created us. You knew what we needed. Would you speak to us this morning? If there's anyone here today, and I have the feeling there are, there are people here that are trying to be holy and they don't know you as personal Savior. And I pray that today will be the day of salvation. There are people here today, Father, that are wanting to be holy and they know that they have a relationship with you, but they haven't released themselves to you to let you really be Lord. And there's a ton of other decisions that probably need to be made this morning. But you know, speak to our hearts, speak to my heart, speak to our hearts. And Father, if there's a decision we need to make today, can we make it right now? While the instrument is playing, while you're seated, would you just surrender and let go and let God do what only God can do in your heart, in your mind? Because the heart and mind left unchecked will gravitate to sin but surrender to God. It is the channel through which He produces holiness. For what comes into our minds penetrates our hearts, our total being. And we can be holy 
in all of our conduct because you are holy. Speak, Lord. We listen.